Hey, Richard Gottlieb. Chris Bird. How you doing? Great. We're going to be talking about the Tonys today, but not those Tonys, not the Broadway Tonys. But different Tonys. Now, hang on. Listen to this. If you can't name that tune, you have no business in the toy business right now. (laughs) But we are very excited to welcome Drew Vernon, who is the marketing director for Tony's. And this is the Playground Podcast with Chris Byrne, me, and Richard Gottlieb. We are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, the Toy Guy marketing and media agency, Chizcom, and Precise.TV. And Drew, we are really excited to have you on here because you... And your product hit two of the major trends of the toy industry this year, audio and SEL, or social-emotional learning. So welcome. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are, and then for people who might not know, a quick description of what Tony's are. Well, first and foremost, Chris and Richard, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited uh, to chat, to talk a little bit about myself and how I got uh, associated with Tony's. I've been in marketing for about 10 years now. Uh, I started out in beauty and and found that it wasn't a whole lot of fun. So I, I wanted to get into something I was more naturally curious about, which was toy. I spent some time with Lego. And then last year in April, I came over to Tony's. So for those of your listeners who might not know about Tony's, it's a screen-free digital audio listening device for kids. And uh, we can get more into uh, the Tony box, but basically it's just this great tool uh, for for parents and teachers alike to be able to give a a screen-free independent play experience for kids with songs and stories and more. You know, I thought it was really kind of cool. I I like the the fact that it's this this nice-looking little box and that you use figure icons that you place on top of it Remember this a little bit of uh, Skylanders when they did their video games where you put a figure which activated this activates a story. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So it's very similar to Skylander. You know, I think Amiibo uh, from Nintendo, Lego Dimensions. It's all the same kind of technology with the figures that are programmed to do something specific. Do you have any challenges in terms of how retailers categorize the product? Are you a toy? Are you a computer accessory? What are you? Hey, if you can figure out how to communicate that easily, uh, I want you to join my team because (laughs) that's one of the fundamental questions for us right now. We're a toy, we're a collectible, uh, but we're also a child's first device and a a screen-free device. And merchandising that is a a challenge, but one that we're, we're navigating. I think it's important to note that the Tony's box is about four inches on a side. It's got red fabric on it. It's soft. It's easy for kids to carry around. The figures that sit on top and activate the content are magnetized. They use RFID to activate the downloaded content. So in setting it up, you first have to connect it to your Wi-Fi network, and then you're good to go. I was thinking that really, to me, you're, you're very similar to an audiobook. We are, yeah. So the, the figures come in all shapes and sizes. So this, it was started in Germany a few years back, uh, and they've gotten up to several hundred characters, you know, storybook favorites, uh, movie blockbusters, TV characters. We're growing our library here in the U.S. Uh, since our, our launch last fall. And so we have not quite as many as they have in Germany, but, you know, Peter Rabbit, uh, we just launched. Um, we've got a lot of the Julia Donaldsons. So it's an, it's an audio story that can be played on demand by a young child. 
And one of the strategies you've used is licensing. And it's a great competitive strategy. It's also you've done a great job with it. I was playing Elsa from Frozen before. If people didn't know, I'm shocked. You've got the Minions. You've got Toy Story. You've got all kinds of different licenses, which gives you a competitive edge in this category. It does, because we're a new product category. We're not quite a toy. Uh, we're not quite a, a device. We're both. And it's kind of a shortcut uh, as we get into the market to say, hey, we have Elsa. People know who Elsa is. They know the songs that Elsa sings. If we can take that shortcut to show somebody what a Tony Box is through a licensed partner, uh, that gives us an edge. What is happening now, you think, in our culture in which audio has become very much in demand? We have Clubhouse for adults, and then you have this sort of product for children, which is very, very popular. What do you think is happening that people are craving uh, the audio experience? Yeah, I think we've seen a, a huge trend last five, seven years in podcasting for adults uh, to be able to deliver content in a way that adults have time to listen to and, you know, driving. You know, before COVID, a lot of it was commute time. And so we, we turned on to audio as adults, and then the pandemic hit. And our kids started remote learning and staring at screens. And then we started putting them in front of Netflix more so we could work from home. And so it's completely tied to this uh, screen epidemic that we have right now that's layered onto the pandemic. And the Tony Box and other audio options are a way to get people away from those screens. And that's why it's hitting a nerve with, with adults and kids alike. I think it's really important for kids to be engaged in audio because of all of the brain functions and imagination that they encounter. And you, in your unofficial title, are a child advocate. And how do you see the audio really impacting children's relationship to narrative and subsequently to play? I consider myself a childhood advocate because I've been in the space for a few years now and, and I see the, the different types of play patterns. I see what kids resonate well with. Uh, I actually started my own daycare and I saw kids coming in from all different kinds of environments. And I just, I saw that we have this opportunity to do better for our kids. And one way that we do that is we teach them how to listen to and create stories. And the reason why I think the Tony Box does that well is because it does remove the screen so that you're not seeing the stimulus, you're not seeing the visualization, and you're putting that creative responsibility upon the child. And that's why audio first format is so uh, instrumental in helping those children learn how to be creative because they, they concoct it in their own mind. I think it's really important, too, when you get to things like in second grade, when you start to have word problems. And the ability to see something in your mind's eye before you make it real on the, on the page. And I think that, that this really develops those cognitive abilities. It does, because it makes it up to the child's interpretation to bring something to life that hasn't yet been visualized. And I think the more practice we get at that and the more opportunities we give our kids, the better that they'll be able to, to use those tools uh, to become thinkers and problem solvers. What did children do while they're listening? To uh, you know, it varies uh, child by child and, and depends on the type of content. So we have all sorts of action-oriented songs uh, that will get kids out of their seat and playing, uh, some of the familiar titles, um, you know, if you're happy and you know it, Wheels on the Bus. But we also have very engaging stories that, you know, will cause a child to, to be calmer and, and to sit more quietly. So it's really uh, depends on the set and the setting and the content. Have you guys done any studies on 
brain patterns or anything between when a child just listens without a screen or watches a screen? Has any studies been done on that? There have been studies that have been done. In my primary role as a marketing director, I, I don't have a lot of time to get into the academia. What I will say is, you know, when I was at Lego, uh, I created a program called Prescription for Play, partnered with a bunch of doctors to promote, you know, parent-child play. And the doctors would tell the parents on a wellness visit that they needed to play with their child for 15 minutes a day. And we saw a lot of benefits to that, uh, where engagement between parents and kids was really beneficial for, for cognitive and social-emotional development. And I take those learnings in with me to Tony's, uh, and I believe that to be the case uh, for Tony's as well. It just strikes me that if, if a child and a parent are watching a video, they're looking at the screen. And if they're listening to something, they're, they may be looking at each other. So it, it, it may create more inner child and, and parent child intercourse. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big benefits to co-play is connection. And when you remove the screen, there's one less distraction. There's one less um, thing in the way between you and your child or, or between the child and, and his or her friend that enables connection. I think one of the things that's important to, to note about the Tony Box as well is how easy it is for kids to operate. The characters stay on top. The kids can tilt it. A little kid can run around if you want to advance it. You can give a tap to the side. If you want to rewind, you can give a tap to the side. It looks kind of like a little cat and with, with the speaker shape. And it's got, no, it's got little ears. For a cube, it's pretty darn friendly. It is, and, and that's by design. Screens not only you know deliver content, but screens are usually the default mechanism for user interface and operability. And when you're three or four years old, uh, that's really difficult. So you know the the founders, uh, the creators of the company, wanted the Tony Box to be tactile and functional in a way that a three year old could operate it without adult supervision. Which raises the question: Who are the founders, and is one of them named Tony? <laughs> Tony, question. Tony. <laughs> uh, no, the founders are a couple of dads over in Germany, Patrick and Marcus. Uh, they met on the board of a uh, preschool together, and uh, they saw that their children's teacher was using CD players in the classroom, and they thought they could uh, update the technology. They, they could make it not so clunky uh, and make it you know accessible to kids. And of course, we have millennia of human interaction around verbal storytelling. So this is not... It's a new way of expressing something that is inherently human. Absolutely. I've learned a lot about like the hero's journey and the components to storytelling, you know, uh, bringing to life the, the plight of a hero, overcoming an obstacle to, to get to a treasure. And that's kind of sums up all of the stories that we listen to and that we give to our kids. And so I think those are all great reference points as they grow and mature to try to you know make sense of the world and to, to see the world around them. Have you been able to see any trends yet in terms of what is in demand? I think there's a variety of things that the parents are looking for. They're, they're looking for entertainment. And so a lot of our, our Tonys that we have now are entertaining. So, you know, the Disney favorites, 
Also with COVID, I think there's an increased kind of burden on parenting right now. A lot of parents are working from home and it's been a year now, so we've settled into it. But right at the beginning, childcare was disruptive. What am I going to do to occupy my child's time? And so it needs to not just be entertaining, but at a certain point, it needs to be educational. It needs to hold a child's attention. And so that's why we're expanding not just into the fiction, not just into the songs, but into non-fictional content, you know, calming content, meditation content. That's very much uh, right now. We're going to get to into that in just a moment, but there's one other element that you haven't mentioned, which I think is really cool, which is personalization that technology allows us to do. You have a creative Tony, which is one of the characters that you can actually download your own stuff into. Talk a little bit about that. Up until now, we've just been talking about one side of the Tonys, which is the content Tonys, that they're pre-programmed. But we have a completely other side called the creative Tonys. And these are characters that come empty and fully programmable. And this is great for a few different reasons. Number one, because kids can write their own songs or stories or poems, uh, have a chance to be creative, but also for us to leave messages for kids. So a lot of grandparents will love to read bedtime stories from anywhere in the country. They upload it to the cloud in a matter of 10 seconds. And the next time the child puts it on the box, they have a heartfelt bedtime story from grandma or grandpa. And so that's very much a part of what we do. And and I think it actually goes hand in hand because the, the content Tonys are the stories that we gather from around the world. And ultimately, what we're trying to do is is take the child from, you know, passive consumer experience to an active creative experience. And if you take those stories, then you learn how to write your own stories. Your website, the Tony Box is $99, I believe, and that gets you the box and a Tony That's correct. Uh, Yeah. So $99 is the starter set, which includes the Tony Box itself, as well as one figure. And then you can buy additional figures that comes each comes with a story, correct? Uh, yeah. So depending on the Tony, it could be a mix of stories or songs or songs and stories. Um, generally, the content Tonys are about $14.99 at uh, retail, and the creative Tonys uh, are $11.99. And, and roughly how long, on average, does a, a, a Tony last? Most of the, the Tonys have about... 25 to 35 minutes of content, but this is also variable depending on the age target and how long is appropriate for the child at a current age. Speaking of which, what ages have you found that this is appealing to most? A lot of this is content driven based on what we have in market. And a lot of that right now is our Disney license and some others and some of our literary favorites, but we're seeing preschool ages three to five. Um, But we're expanding, as I mentioned, into nonfiction content and other content that appeals to six, seven, eight-year-olds. My oldest child is actually 11, and she loves the creative Tonys because she loves to write stories and uh, save them as keepsake. Can you share any of the uh, prospective nonfiction titles you're going to have? I would just say we're working with all of the best publishers. So if you go to the museum or if you you know turn on educational TV, some of those properties that you see, those are the ones we're in talks with and, and we'll be releasing Tonys for. Say a year from now, if I go to the planetarium here in, in New York City, would it be possible to buy a Tony at the planetarium that has some of that information in it? Is that is that one of the directions you're thinking of going? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I came in. Last year, um, I had a friend down at a museum called the Duseum in San Antonio, and uh, I got Tony boxes into his museum. And since then, we've gotten into about 25 children's museums. Uh, it's very much our path is getting into every children's museum and science center and, and curating our content uh, for that forum. I love that. 
I'm really glad to hear that you're doing some nonfiction because I, I think as the American Girl dolls have shown, there's a real appetite for children, for history and for real stories. And I think that's a great thing you're doing. And I think it's an area that's really been underdeveloped. Well, it's interesting because Pleasant Rowland, who founded American Girl, whenever I would talk to her, she would always say story over stuff. And that if she had a good story, the stuff would follow. And the stuff certainly did. Uh, But really, she never wavered from that commitment to story. I think that's fantastic. We're trying to bring as much content to the market as quick as possible. For us, it's easier to do it digitally. So you can actually um, access our, our website and download free content that we provide and put it on your own, Tony. That's kind of like our quick fix so that we can get as much content out as possible. You know, ideally, we can go out and create a figure for it, but that you know takes a little bit longer from a, a manufacturing process. But uh, that's why we're offering both uh, you know, in physical Tony and, and digital format. Let me ask you a question about your voice talent. Who reads the stories? Are these children or adults? It depends on on the content. So we're starting to get into some more of kind of like the talent. So we actually just brought on LeVar Burton as our brand. Oh, that's great. Oh, whoa, whoa. Big class. Yeah, we're still in development with him, but he's going to be the voice of our Tony's for Teachers program, which is showing the, the many uses of putting Tony boxes into classrooms and libraries and museums in, in the country. He loves the Tony Box. He, he uh, believes in the cause. And, you know, he's been a stalwart in childhood literacy. So Absolutely. Great, great to have him on board. Um, but to answer your question, you know, sometimes it's other voice talent that's not, you know, celebrity status. So we've talked about story. We've talked about nonfiction. But you're also going into another area that is very on trend in the market right now. And social emotional learning, certainly as we come out of COVID, it's very, very important. And you guys have just this week that we're putting this out announced an arrangement with Go Noodle. Can you talk a little bit about that? And what does mindfulness mean for the Tony's Box listener? We're super thrilled to announce this partnership. We work so well together. Go Noodle, as your listeners probably know, has been kind of the gold standard in classrooms over the last uh, better part of a decade to get kids uh, up and moving. And it just dawned on me, the name Go Noodle, that's like to get you wiggly. Like, (laughs) Like it's such a great name, um, but it's been getting kids out of their chairs. A lot of great action content. Well, they've been providing this meditation content, which is stellar, but it's being delivered through their typical format in classrooms, which is through a screen. And so when we launched, they saw us as a great way to extend their brand into a screen-free environment so that when we are trying to reset the classroom, when we are trying to calm kids down, we can now do that in a screen-free way. So it's a really great partnership. We expect to do great things with Go Noodle, and we're really happy to bring this into homes and schools. You mentioned that Tony's were created in Germany. Of course, you're now distributed in the U.S. Are you distributed around the world, and how are you adapting the hardware and software for different cultures? From our launch in 2016 in Germany, it started spreading like wildfire. So they actually call it Tony Mania. I see these pictures of these uh, retail stores in Germany where it's just like 20, 24 feet and more of just walls of Tony boxes and Tonys. And so based on that, you know, the founders were like, we're onto something. We're going to expand into the UK and Ireland. They did that in 2018. 
we came to the U.S. last fall and uh, we're set to launch in France this year. And, and then it's onward from there. So there's always a little bit of uh, a learning curve. I saw this a lot at Lego between having a global brand that's localized for markets. We're fortunate that the Tony box is the Tony box. You know, you change the charger, you know, the electrical plug and the Tony box works. Any Tony box works in any country. The figures we're also borrowing from, but a lot of the content is cultural and market driven. And so we can't take most of the 300 German Tonys, not because they're in German, but because the content isn't relevant to the American consumer. So we're taking an American first approach towards our content as we launch new Tonys and digital content in the U.S. And do you find that there are some licenses like Disney that are transcendent that will work almost anywhere? Yeah, Disney, I mean, they are really tops in terms of IP. Um, they work basically anywhere that I've ever been associated with. Are, are you guys currently available in China or Japan or parts of Asia? Uh, not currently. So after the UK and the US, we've got France, and, and it's probably a few more of the Western European countries before uh, I would imagine we'd get into Latin America and APAC. What about security? When people upload stuff, for example, if I upload a, a bedtime story for my niece or nephew to you, is that secure? What happens to that? Where, you know, how do, how do you protect the identities and the IP of uh, your, your customers? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's actually a selling point for us because you see a lot of these uh, devices that are in our homes now. We've got Siri, we've got Alexa. You know, my five-year-old can get onto Alexa. I mean, usually it's pretty innocent. She's going to play like um, Space Unicorn or, you know, <laughs> something by Rafi, but she could technically like go in and make a purchase on my credit card that's linked to my Amazon account. You can't do that on the Tony box. It's, it's completely secure. There's no Bluetooth. There's no Siri or Alexa. Your content is your content and it's not going to any third parties for sale or for, you know, spying or anything like that. What modes are and methods are you using to market? It's tough to market to kids at, at the young ages, three, four, there's COPA. They say, you know, there's pester power at a certain age where kids will kind of pull on their mom or dad's heels and say, I want this. I found as a marketer that doesn't really happen at age three. And yeah. so it is mostly parent focused. And because we're a new product category, we're really looking into demonstration. So it's hard to show uh, an image of a Tony box uh, on a, an internet ad or a display ad and, and have people understand what it is. We have to talk about it. You know, that's where podcasts come in. Uh, we have to show it. That's where video comes in and we have to get people's hands on it. And so, you know, our best showrooms right now are classrooms, libraries, and museums. If you can come in and see a Tony box for yourself before you get an advertisement to buy one, then you're going to have a better chance at understanding the value of it. This is an investment. And as a marketer, how do you help parents overcome perhaps any resistance to the price point? Yeah, great question. 99 bucks is not your everyday purchase. And that's why it's a little bit of a stretch for us to go into a Walmart aisle or a Target aisle, because most parents for, you know, if you break it out by occasion for a treat or an, uh, no occasion occasion, your, your parents are going to spend $20, $30. You get it in the holiday season, they're going to spend a little bit more. But for us, we can't just be a toy. We have to just demonstrate the growing with your child because it's content-based, your child's not going to outgrow it because they're just going to shift their, their content patterns. But we have to show it an investment in the sense that it's, it's not a toy, it's actually a system. It's a system that's as expansive as you want it to be because there's that incremental Tony that you can give your child to have it always be a new experience for them. 
Brother, I've been telling Chris I'm trying to start a new toy category called Durable Toy Goods, which are toys that are over uh, $100, and they are uh, investment purchases, and they are meant to last and to be passed down from sibling to sibling and generation to generation. They're really part of a home's infrastructure, entertainment infrastructure. And it seems like that's what you're doing. It's not something that's going to end up in a landfill. Right. People are hanging on to them. Families with more than one child are buying multiple Tony boxes because they find that they want each of their children to have one. Uh, But it's something that they can grow with and it's something that they can hold on to and maybe even pass along to their children. As you're emerging as a brand in in Europe and launching over here, one of the things that I say a lot is brands are communities. And that has much more power than many kinds of advertising. Are you guys building a community and how's it going? And and what are you doing? What are you seeing? I would say we're trying to enable community. So I try to be very careful to to avoid building it myself because I don't know what it needs to be. But you're you're exactly right in saying that the, the brands that win right now, and this is true in the toy category and, and many other categories, is you have to create a place for people to come together around your brand. And we're seeing that on Facebook. Uh, we're seeing that on some of the other social platforms. But it's more about parents really sharing ideas with each other and showing their love uh, for Tony's and have it not be something that's you know, proctored by me or anybody else within the company itself. Okay, Drew, strap in. We're going to ask you the question we ask everybody here on the <laughs> Playground podcast. We want you to tell us a secret. My secret is that I'm not in it to sell Tony boxes. Uh, And it's hard because that's my day job and that's what I get the paycheck for. Uh, My secret is that I'm uh, really trying to make something that's influential to kids that helps kids grow and become problem solvers. And, you know, the longer I get the chance to tell that story, maybe the more believable it gets because my title is a marketing director. Um, But that's my ultimate mission is to improve the childhood experience. Drew Vernon from Tony's, thank you so much for spending time with us. If it hasn't come through, I am a huge personal advocate of the role of audio in children's experience and learning and sharing. And we're just really excited to learn more about this. And thank you for spending the time with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much, Chris and Richard. It's great to be here. And it's been my pleasure. This is the Playground Podcast, and we'll be right back with the end cap. And now we reach the part of the show that we call the end cap. And we thought for this week, we'd do something just slightly different and potentially a little more entertaining. We're introducing a feature called One Minute Toy Stories. So if you ever wondered about the history of Crayola crayons, listen for the next minute and you'll find out all you need to know. They're incredibly popular, but did you ever stop to think where crayons come from? Hi, I'm Chris Byrne, the toy guy with a one minute toy story. In 1902, Binney and Smith in Easton, Pennsylvania added colors to their black wax marking pencils to create the first eight colored crayons. But what to call them? They combined the French word for chalk, cray, with the word oleaginous, which means oily. So Crayola literally means oily chalk. They've been a hit ever since and changed creative play forever. In 1958, the iconic box of 64 crayons made its debut on the most popular kid show of the era, Captain Kangaroo. It was a big deal, and that original box is now in the Smithsonian. Colors have come and gone, but aside from some minor changes, the crayons are the same. They're just wax and pigment. Today, Crayola makes about 3 billion crayons every year in more than 120 colors, and their unique aroma is one of the most recognized in the world. 
You can even visit the factory in Easton and be part of Crayola's colorful history. We'll see you next time with the next One Minute Toy Story. This is the Playground Podcast with me, Chris Byrne, and my cohort and co-host, Richard Gottlieb. We are brought to you by Global Toy Experts, thetoyguy.com, marketing and media agency, Chizcom, and Precise.tv. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time.